You're listening to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, episode number 54. So recently, I had a listener email me about an issue that she was having with her ex. And in a nutshell, this listener, through years of conditioning, had learned to look after her ex as if she were his mother. I can tell you I've had this very, very similar experience. I remember this too. Spoiling them, tending to their needs, anticipating what they'd like or what they'd want, making sure that they're happy at our own expense. This is the same as walking eggshells to keep the peace and ensure that the other person is happy so that everyone else doesn't have to deal with their wrath or explosions or bad behavior or bad moods. So today I'll be addressing this because when we are conditioned this way, It can seep over after the breakup or divorce, and this is what happened to the listener who emailed me. We might still try to rescue the narcissist, step in, help out, or change our behavior to keep the peace. Ultimately, what happens is we end up sacrificing our own mental well-being and our own needs for them. So the question is, do you let them have their way? Do you rescue? Do you do what you know would make them happy to keep the peace even after you've escaped? And if you want to change this, let's talk about it. So stay tuned for a brand new episode delivered to you every Tuesday. Welcome to the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast, a podcast specifically designed to help you heal after a toxic or narcissistic relationship. This podcast teaches you to use your subconscious mind to go from feeling stuck to set free. In here, you will learn how to use the power of your own mind to free yourself from emotional pain, move forward with confidence, and experience the inner peace you deserve in your healing journey after emotional abuse. I'm your host and subconscious reprogramming coach, Allison Dagny, so let's get started. Okay, so back to the listener who emailed me. She told me she still worries about her ex and if he's happy. She even said she would ask her kids to message him or go visit him to make him feel better. She's even helping with money and chores to keep the peace since she doesn't want to trigger him. Now, she still needs something from him. She needs divorce papers signed, so trying to avoid triggers and to be nice to him seems like a logical step, and it might be. But she also said she cannot relax and be happy unless she knows that he's happy first. She's in a new relationship and even fears revealing it to avoid a tantrum by her ex. There's more to this story, but so far, maybe you can relate. There is a theme here. The abuser is being catered to. The abusive person is being pacified. The abusive person is being coddled and helped. And the non-abusive person is tiptoeing around on eggshells just to maintain peace, even though they are no longer in the relationship. And ultimately, the abuser is being enabled. They're being rewarded. Now, there is no judgment here. I need to be very clear. So if you're hearing this and finding yourself passing judgment, I urge you to reconsider, and here's why. The listener who wrote to me is operating based on her programming. If you aren't familiar with what programming is, think of yourself like a brand new computer right out of the box. That computer needs programs so that it can operate. Someone has to program that computer, tell it what to do, tell it how to be. You are no different. You were programmed from the time you were born and in a highly programmable state up until about the age of seven or eight. 
during this stage of development, the child's brain is in something called a theta brainwave state. And basically what that means is they are absorbing everything, what parents say and do, teachers, family, friends, society. They are believing whatever they're being told. This shapes how they think and how they show up in the world as they're growing up. That's why no two people are just alike, because no two people have the exact programming. Programming is programming, so try to look at it from a neutral perspective. There is no right, there is no wrong, good or bad. Because I want to help this listener, and you if you struggle with this as well, her final request in this email was that she needs help to stop caring. And if you felt this way too, listen very carefully. You might be thinking that it's caring behavior and you want to stop caring, but there's something deeper. The reality is there is an emotion driving your behavior. This could be fear-based or could be guilt-based to keep you from experiencing backlash or negative emotions. And that's completely normal. I can't presume to know specifically what is driving this person's behavior, but what I do know is that our subconscious beliefs are what create the emotions and that drive our behavior. For example, we may think at first glance that we care and that's why we do this, but but that actually could be a mask for something else. We think we care about them, and maybe we do on some level, but maybe we're in fear of retaliation. We might think we could care about what the other person thinks about us, but underneath, maybe it's just a lack of self-acceptance. We might think we care about their feelings, but what if we're simply feeling guilty if we don't care and making it mean we are a bad person if we don't care about them? You see, the driving force of any behavior is emotion. That emotion comes from your subconscious beliefs, the things you think on repeat in your subconscious mind. The problem many of us might experience when it comes to this is that by catering to their needs, anticipating what they want, pacifying them, checking on them, etc., etc., you are still under their control. You are still exactly where you used to be, except not living in the same house or under the same roof. If you're okay with that, here's where you can tune out. If you're not and you want to change, then keep listening. This only applies to you if you want to change how you feel and or your behavior. If you are completely content doing things like this for the other person, then that is your choice and you will never get any judgment from me. I know it's your programming. I know that's why you do it. It makes your life easier, not harder. Then I'm in no position to tell you to stop doing it. Only you know your situation and circumstances. It would be unfair and inappropriate of anyone to judge you or your decisions not living life from your vantage point. But if you say, Allison, I don't want them to have this kind of control over my life and I want to change how I feel so I can change how I behave toward them, then that's where you have to get real with what's going on in your subconscious mind and you'll want to listen in. If this is the first time you're hearing this, your subconscious mind drives 95% of the show. That means what you think subconsciously has so much strength. And if you try to change your behavior with the willpower method, which is only the remaining 5%, you probably won't see much in the way of results. When we work with what is that driving power, that 95%, we have much more success in changing our feelings and our behaviors. 
Okay, so I want to give you some steps on how to go from catering to the abuser to freeing yourself. That caring piece that we talked about that actually could be a mask for something else. Number one, first and foremost, you have to identify your emotions. So if you're somewhere where you can get a piece of paper out and a pen, then in the middle of your paper, I want you to write down the emotion that you feel most often when you're thinking about helping the abuser or making sure they're okay or what are you thinking about most often when you feel the urge to help them or rescue them? What are you thinking when you're deciding whether or not to do what they would want or what you actually want? What are you thinking? What are those thoughts, right? You'll probably write down fear, guilt, anxiety, worry, regret, or something like that. That could be your emotion initially that you feel. And you get to experience that emotion. So write that down. No one knows what this is except for you in the middle of the page. Next, you want to write down your thoughts when you feel that particular emotion. So let's say you wrote down guilt. Let's go with that one first. You would write down all the things, all the thoughts around that word guilt that creep in when you feel that way. So I'll just give you a few examples. Things are common. Um, These are common ones that people think about when they feel guilt. I'm a bad person if I don't check on them. I'm responsible for him. I need to take care of her. I need to help them. She shouldn't have to be alone. They'll think I'm trying to hurt him. I need to protect her. I'm selfish if I'm not accommodating. I mean, the list can go on and on and on and often does. So write out everything. Put every single thought you have that you think when it comes to guilt on that paper. And an important piece here is not to judge your thoughts. So if you want to scratch them out or you hesitate to write it down, I'm telling you, you need to because what comes up first is probably the thing that needs the biggest emphasis and work. So I am a trained subconscious reprogramming coach. I learned this process from the ThoughtWork Institute and it changed my life. It seems very simple, but you can ask any of my clients. It is not easy. It's simple, but it takes practice and effort. All right, so next is step three, to explore other possibilities. So we've already written down the emotion and then we've written down the thoughts that we're thinking. And just as a reminder, thoughts that you would be thinking usually Start with things like I am or I need to, I can't, should, shouldn't, things like that. All right, so in this third step, if you can remember this one phrase, it will take you so far. And that phrase is this, what else is possible? Not what else is true, not what else is reasonable, not what else, anything, except what else is possible? Is it possible that I'm not a bad person if I don't check on them? Is that possible? Is it possible I don't need to take care of her? Is that possible? And if your mind goes, well, but, 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 if I don't take care of her, then she'll get sick or she'll be homeless or whatever, then take this one step further and ask yourself this, and what does that mean? And guess what? More subconscious beliefs will start to come up. Well, that means I'm a horrible person and it means they won't love me and it means that I never loved them. Again, what's happening here is you're giving things meaning, not me, not anybody else. I don't have your answers. I don't have my clients' answers. I could ask one 
client the exact same question as another for a very, very similar thing and get two completely different answers. That's because of programming. One could say, if I don't help him, then that means I'm a bad person, and that's your guilt. And another could say, if I don't help him, that means I'll be manipulated again, which brings me to the emotion of fear. So we just talked about guilt. Let's shift over to fear. Fear is a huge driver of behavior. No, no one wants to live in fear. So we do whatever we can to make sure we aren't feeling afraid. If one person says that if I don't help him, then that means I'll be manipulated again, then of course that person will help even more to avoid feeling the fear of being manipulated. So what do you do? You explore other possibilities. Is it possible you won't be manipulated again? Is that possible? Then you write down all the proven evidence that you can that shows you that you won't be manipulated again. Was there ever a time when you weren't manipulated? What happened? Did you see the red flags? Did you stand your ground ever in your whole entire life? Here's something important to remember. You don't have to look for examples using this particular person or situation. You can actually think all the way back to your childhood. Your brain only needs to see something to hold on to. It only needs to see a few examples to prove that, hmm, maybe it's possible I won't be manipulated. I wasn't manipulated back then. That's all your brain needs. So what you're doing here is creating new neural pathways in your brain. Your brain is neuroplastic. It can change. The old neural pathways are just running on autopilot. So you see, this kind of emotional abuse recovery is simply about changing your thought habits. Those thought habits are what create your emotions and then your behaviors. In the case of this person who emailed me and who said she wants to stop caring, but there's a major source of resistance to stopping the caring that I want to address. Because we as humans have such a strong connection to being caring people. That's major programming from a very, very young age. What do you think about people who don't care? What kinds of judgments do you place on uncaring people? That is why it's so hard to let go of this. And if that resonates for you as the empathetic and caring person you are, let me ask you, what benefit do you get from feeling this way? And is there any reason why you would resist letting the emotion go when it comes to this. It's really important to think this through. Our minds are so complex. And if you believe that not caring means something about you, well, then it's likely you'll continue on as usual. But what if you made not caring mean something else? Like, I can care from a distance without taking action. What if you made it mean that? Can you send loving thoughts and prayers for a person and not interfere. Is that possible? Have you ever done this for someone across the world that you couldn't actually help, but you still cared? Did it mean you were a bad person because you didn't hop on a plane and bring food to the hungry across the world? No. Again, this isn't about good or bad or right or wrong. This is so important to note. Our brains have no concept of morals. It truly only believes whatever we tell it. We assign the meaning. We give the definitions. We tell our brains whatever it is we tell it, and our brains believe it to be true. 
I want you to remember, I'm giving you 15, 20, 30 minute podcast episodes each week. But when my clients do this, they work with me for 60 minutes, one-on-one for 12 consecutive weeks. This is totally focused on them and their specific needs. And I can only give some of what I know here in the podcast episode, not all of it. So if you want to work with me individually, just send me a message or schedule a free call to learn more about it. This way we get right to the source and can get to practicing of reprogramming the subconscious beliefs that are inside of you quickly so that you can feel relief faster. Okay, so I want to go back to that email I was sent again because it reminded me of one of my own fears that I had a while ago. I remember feeling like I needed to do what my ex wanted so I could avoid him dragging me to court again. He was constantly trying to get his way and had filed a motion again Um, which run up my attorney's fees, stressed me out, and took time away from what I really wanted to focus on. So when I started to explore this, I realized that my emotion was fear. I felt like I was powerless to avoid things that I didn't want to happen, and I wanted to feel powerful. So here's what happened. My ex wanted us to get a co-parenting coordinator. And these work for many divorcing people, but for me that sounded like an absolute nightmare. This was because I believed that my ex would be effectively able to coerce, convince, lie to, and manipulate a coordinator. Look, I know him better than anyone. I know his tactics and his ways. If I turned our parenting decisions over to a third party, I actually had no doubt that he would get whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And to me, it felt much safer to communicate with him on our app and with our attorneys. So I refused. But guess what? In true abuser fashion, he kept pushing. No surprises there. And he filed a motion and took me to court again. The judge actually said no to his request for a coordinator, so I won that. But I think in order to be somewhat fair, she ordered us to speak to a therapist together on a Zoom call. And I was not happy about this, but it was ordered, so I decided to use this work, the things I'm sharing with you on this podcast, to help myself through it, just like I help my clients. So what did I do? First, I figured out my emotion. What was the emotion? You always got to start there. Fear. I was afraid to be on a Zoom call with my ex and this court-ordered therapist. I was so scared. I was just overwhelmed with anxiety. So what did I do next? I had to write down what I was thinking right? Find the emotion first, then identify the thoughts. What specifically was I thinking when I was feeling this fear? And here's some things that I wrote down. He's going to manipulate her. I can't protect myself. I can't stand up to him. I'll be bulldozed. I won't say the right things. I can't communicate my feelings. I won't be able to make my point. They're both going to double team me. The therapist knows more than me, right? The list went on. There was a lot more than this. I'm just going to give you a few. And you know what I did? I spent Four straight weeks leading up to my therapy appointment with him and her, practicing this, considering other possibilities, and reprogramming my mind. And I went into that meeting and I absolutely crushed it. It was two hours long. I never flinched. I was confident. I was powerful. I made excellent points. I spoke clearly. I actually left the therapist at a loss for words a few times and was absolutely the most proud of myself I'd ever been. If I kept those subconscious beliefs, the ones I just said, as my automatic thoughts prior to that meeting, you bet I would have failed miserably and I would have felt horrible afterwards. 
but I was determined to go in there feeling powerful and unafraid. And all I had to do was reprogram those thoughts. So my new thoughts now are things like, he's not going to manipulate her. I can protect myself. I can stand up to him. I will not be bulldozed. I will say the right things. I can communicate my feelings and so on and so on. You get the idea. Going in with those kinds of beliefs as my automatic, right? These weren't just like affirmations I repeated. I actually reprogrammed them in my brain to become automatic. Completely changed the game for me. This isn't positive affirmations. This is a practice where you rewire the old thoughts. You release the old and reinforce the new. And it is completely transformational. All right, as a recap, identify the emotion. Write out the thoughts that you think when that emotion comes up and ask yourself, what else is possible? Thank you to my listener who sent this question in today. And as always, if there's something you need support with that I can address here on the podcast, send me an email and just let me know. And if you want one-on-one support from me, just reach out. I'm happy to help. Talk to you next week. Thank you for being here with me today in the Emotional Abuse Recovery Podcast. I hope you found value here with me. If this podcast episode was helpful to you, I'd love for you to hit subscribe and leave me a review. My goal is to help you go from feeling stuck to set free. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out whentearsleavescars.com for more resources and information help you with your own emotional abuse recovery. Until next time, here's to believing in